Hello, and welcome to season two of the Heart Failure Beat Healthy Living, a podcast brought to you by the Heart Failure Society of America, or HFSA as we like to call it. I'm Laura Poco, Director of Marketing and Communications for HFSA, and I'm excited to bring you the first episode in our second season of the podcast, coming at you during Heart Failure Awareness Week 2021. On today's episode, we'll explore new and innovative technologies and wearable devices that are changing the lives of people living with heart failure. We are joined today by four clinicians who are on the cutting edge of this topic. Our conversation will be led by Dr. Jessica Golbus, a heart failure and transplant cardiology fellow at Michigan Medicine who is interested in using wearable technology to improve patient outcomes. Dr. Golbus is also an active member of the HFSA Communications Committee. Our guests on the show include Mike Dorsch, an assistant professor, pharmacist, and clinical research at Michigan Medicine, Dr. Shri Adesamali, Assistant Chief Medical Information Officer at the University of Pennsylvania Health System and Assistant Professor of Clinical Medicine in the Division of Cardiovascular Medicine at the Perelman School of Medicine. Dr. Adesamali is interested in the intersection between wearable devices and behavioral economics. And finally, we have Dr. Monique Tana, who is a heart failure and transplant cardiologist and Assistant Professor of Clinical Medicine at Penn Medicine with an interest in remote monitoring and heart failure. I want to thank all of our guests for being here today and Dr. Golbus for leading the discussion. I think it's time we get this conversation started. Jessica, over to you. Thank you, Laura. I'm happy to be here today. Dr. Adusmali, Dorsh, and Tana, welcome to the show. I'm really excited to speak with you all today about the use of mobile health technology and specifically wearable devices for patients with heart failure. Before we jump in, I want to define for our audience a few of the terms that we will be using today. First, mobile health technology, or mHealth for short, refers to technologies that use mobile wireless devices to capture health data, most commonly a smartphone or a tablet. A subset of mobile health is wearable devices. These are devices that are applied externally and capture functional information, such as step count, and physiologic information, such as heart rate, to monitor and improve health. Most commonly, these devices are seen as smartwatches, which our users will recognize as an Apple Watch or a Fitbit. Wearable devices can also come in more unfamiliar forms, however, and can be incorporated as accessories into clothing, worn as a ring, or applied as a skin patch. These devices are often paired with a second mobile device, such as a smartphone, where users can review their data. I'm so excited to have Drs. Adusmali, Dorsch, and Tana here as three experts on the use of mobile health technology and wearable devices for patients with heart failure. Let's jump in now and learn about what patients need to know so that they can use wearable devices to improve their health. Dr. Tana, I'd like to start with you. What data do you typically see gathered from a wearable device? Dr. Gobos, thank you so much for having me today. I'm really excited to speak with you all on this very interesting and timely topic. As you mentioned, mobile health technology is rapidly expanding and it's truly changing the way that we practice medicine. I think that these devices can help inform clinical decision-making and guide medication optimization, which is especially important in heart failure. And they also provide a unique way, as you mentioned, for patients to become more involved and engaged in their own care. 
the kind of data that's generated from these devices is really quite broad, starting from, as you mentioned, smartwatches, which can provide information on activity level and step counts and really help patients to achieve specific goals in terms of their physical fitness to devices that provide more physiologic data, such as heart rate and blood pressure. And those can really be used by the clinical care team to help optimize the patient's medications. As you know, one of the pillars for heart failure management is getting patients on optimal heart failure therapy, medications that we know are life-saving, can increase the patient's lifespan and decrease the risk of hospitalization from heart failure. Studies have shown that a lot of times patients are not on all the medications that they should be on, and oftentimes if they are, they're not at the optimal dose. And we know that being on these medications and being on them at the optimal doses really can be life-saving. So using this data, I think, can really help the clinical team to optimize medications remotely so that patients can be on these life-saving medications. Um, other types of data that's generated are EKG monitors, which can monitor patients' heart rhythms, especially in patients who are concerned about abnormal heart rhythms or high or low heart rates. And then there's also devices that can detect early signs of fluid retention. So again, another challenge in heart failure is uh, frequent hospitalizations. And unfortunately, a lot of our patients have frequent hospitalizations for heart failure and fluid accumulation. And many of these devices, such as vests or patches, and even more invasive um, implantable devices, such as pulmonary artery sensors, can help detect very early signs of fluid accumulation so that we can make changes in diuretics while patients are still at home in order to prevent further fluid accumulation, prevent heart failure symptoms, and prevent patients from becoming hospitalized. Great. That's a fantastic overview. Dr. Dorsch, I know you've looked a lot at, at how patients can potentially use wearable devices, and what would you recommend to patients about how they can use a wearable device to improve their health now that we're in 2021? Yeah, I think probably the best thing that devices do right now is help patients provide goal setting and follow those goals. So like if you have a goal of so many steps per day, that you can set that goal and monitor that goal either through the device itself or through when the device is uh, with a companion smartphone. So you can review your data on a daily basis or a weekly basis and see, have you improved your steps? Are other health measures improving? One tidbit for that, though, I would recommend is um, those goals should be customized to your current situation. Most of the goals that are by default by many devices are for healthy individuals. So um, really working with your doctor and, and other healthcare providers to kind of figure out what those goals should be for you and trying to improve. Great. Now, wearable devices give us so much data, and I think it's hard to know for patients what they should be doing with this data. Dr. Adusmali, maybe you could comment on what types of wearable device signals are important, and when should patients think about talking with these with their healthcare providers? Thanks, Dr. Golbus, and thank you and the HFSA for uh, for having us all on this podcast today. So I think wearable there is a broad range of our wearable devices that are available, and uh, they provide a whole variety of data. And there are a variety of methods they use to both gather the data as well as, in some cases, send those back to a patient's clinician. I think the first step is that if you're a patient, if you're interested in using a wearable device to monitor your care, and you have an interest in a particular wearable device, it is worth bringing that up with your care team to review it. In many instances, there may be a set of wearable devices, for example, that a healthcare organization is using, either because 
their care teams and the folks affiliated with your clinician are very familiar with those devices and the types and the cadence of the data that they provide, or because they have some sort of interface with, uh, with, for example, the electronic health record that makes it easier to transmit and organize and gather and react to those data. So it is useful, particularly before you make an investment in a device, that if, if you have both an interest in the space as well as a particular device, to bring that up with your care team before investing in that device. The other thing I'll add is that certain types of devices, uh, and I'm thinking particularly in the blood pressure space, have more evidence than others that underlie them or underlie their use, I should say. So your clinician oftentimes can advise you on what might be better or worse in that regard. A lot of organizations, Penn, I know, and I'm sure Michigan as well, are working on efforts to gather formulas, so to speak, or collections of devices that might have evidence behind them and, and that might make it easier to prescribe, for example, a particular device to, to a patient. So I think you'll, you'll we'll be increasingly hearing more and more from your healthcare organization about that concept, just as we might pre- prescribe, for example, a medication. When we start to think about how else you might want to interact as a patient with your clinician around alerts or alarms from your wearable devices, there are a couple of things to keep in mind. One is that many devices provide physiologic monitoring, as Dr. Golbus was sharing um, earlier. For example, a watch that monitors heart rate. And so those are types of alarms that you generally would want to pay attention to. Algorithms oftentimes are calibrated in, in terms of those alarms to be very sensitive to changes in your physiology and your heart rate, for example. But still, if, if you're seeing an alarm, for example, for a fast or an irregular heart rate, those are things that, uh, that your clinician should know about and would be worth bringing up with your clinician. Others, which might be, for example, and, and maybe this is obvious, but uh, others that might be alerts, for example, to, to move more in a particular day are more motivational typically for patients and not necessarily needing to be brought up with care teams. I think one thing that's important in terms of interacting with your care team around wearable data is that if you have the ability to, many devices can export data, for example, in the form of a PDF or other output. And oftentimes, that's really what's needed to be able to to pick apart what's going on with your device and your body in response to an alarm. So if you can capture that, and typically devices will come with instructions or your healthcare provider can help you do that, that's even more helpful. Great. Thanks. Yeah, I know it's always really helpful when when my patients come with their blood pressure log and they've either exported or they have one of those fancy apps that can have those trend lines. So that's something that I always find really helpful. Completely agree. And I think with the advent and the scale of telemedicine at the moment and hopefully continuing on into the future, wearable devices make a perfect pairing for telemedicine encounters with your clinicians. And certainly if you have any of those data available, whether it be blood pressure or pulse logs or recordings, uh, definitely bring them both to your in-person, but uh, as well to your telemedicine encounter. I agree as well. And I think, you know, especially in patients with heart failure, I think patients who've had a recent diagnosis, I think it's a particularly helpful time to use some of these devices. And, you know, just like you mentioned, Dr. Gobos, I find it especially helpful when they come to their visits with their blood pressure logs, and even when they're at home and they send, send us their blood pressure logs through the electronic medical system, or through one of these devices that can be connected to our EMR, um, it's especially helpful to, one, titrate their medications, and also, two, notice if there is any abrupt changes. You know, if we notice that the patient's blood pressures are all of a sudden lower or their weights are going up, that maybe there's some sort of clinical change that we need to investigate. 
So I think we've started to talk a little bit about new technologies in telehealth. What other technologies do you think are on the horizon that, that patients should be excited about or or even technologies that are here now that maybe expand beyond just wearable devices? So one of the things that we use often in our heart failure patients are invasive pulmonary artery sensors. And these are devices that are implanted through uh, the use of a procedure, but they also can um, provide more accurate detection of fluid accumulation and patients are able to remotely send us their data on a daily basis. And again, if there's any changes, we can use that to detect early signs of fluid accumulation to prevent symptoms and prevent hospitalizations, as well as to help guide medication adjustments. Additionally, there are other devices that are being studied in clinical trials, including devices such as another type of pulmonary artery sensor, which is paired with a home monitoring system, which is similar to wearable devices in that they provide daily data in terms of blood pressure, heart rate, weights. There's also comprehensive heart failure management systems that are being studied in clinical trials. And these are systems which incorporate multiple devices, such as the ones we spoke about today, to see if using them in conjunction can really help uh, improve outcomes in heart failure. I completely agree with Dr. Tana, and I'm also quite excited about sort of the proliferation of lower friction ways, so to speak, of patients and clinicians interacting. For example, I think COVID has shown us the amount of interaction that we can securely have done via modalities like texting. And so, for example, being able to text a a log of blood pressure and have uh, systems in place to be able to respond to that on the other end in a clinician's office, for example, I think will be something that other industries, for example, have done for a good amount of time at this point that I think healthcare is just now catching on to in part driven by contactless workflows, for example, prompted by COVID. So I think that's exciting that that's becoming more mainstream, so to speak, and I think will, will really help to to, to make interactions with between patients and clinicians even easier. I also think that from a technology perspective, devices in homes will become more common. So there's this concept of the Internet of Things, which itself isn't necessarily new, but in, in that there are many kinds of connected devices in, in your home. I think one of those, for example, that probably is in many of our homes these days are voice assistants. And so this isn't a wearable device per se but is a device in the home that you can interact with that could even potentially respond to questions or transmit information from a clinician to, from a patient to a clinician or even vice versa, I suppose, that I think will have increasing relevance, this interaction between voices. And then finally, in our area of interest, one of our areas of interest here at Penn is not only the technology itself, but how do we understand the science of how patients and clinicians think about using the technology. And so I think both at Penn and and at Michigan, from what I understand, there's a lot of work underway of how to combine both the information from technology as well as mechanisms to motivate both patients and, and clinicians in some cases to promote healthier behavior. So I think as we understand that science of motivation better, I think that's a perfect pairing really for the kind of granular information we get from wearable devices and in many cases, a necessary pairing in order to keep the interactions sort of meaningful over time. The couple of things that I'm really excited about in the wearable space specifically are the advancement of smaller devices. And so the smaller the device gets, the easier it is to use. And the advent of 5G technology and how small the 5G technology can get into a smaller device. And so right now, a lot of our 
our wearable devices are really tethered to a smartphone. So your Apple Watch, even though it may have some way to connect, is pretty much Apple tethers it to the iPhone. And other devices like Fitbit get tethered to, to a smartphone. Once those devices are really free to connect directly to some sort of internet connection, probably 5G would be the next version because of the way it handles battery life and latency and connection. It would be really exciting for the future. Those are all fantastic points. We're finding new uses for this technology. And as you brought up, Dr. Reduce-Molly, that the technology is only as good as what we do with it. So making sure that we as users use the data to make it advantageous for our health. Before we close today, is there anything else that you think is important for our patients to know about wearable devices or mobile health technology more generally? I think it might be important for patients to know that on the clinician end or on the practice end that there is increasingly a large amount of data coming in as well from a variety of sources, both from devices that you could purchase as well as medical grade devices that we might prescribe, as I was mentioning earlier. And so I think that we want to partner with you, and and it's still an active area, I think, for both of our organizations and HFSA, I'm sure, as to how to best interact with these data without either the patient or the clinician being overwhelmed with them. We need to be able to pick apart the signal from the noise, and I think that's still very much a work in progress. I completely agree with Dr. Adesamali, and I think also from a consumer standpoint and a patient standpoint, there are so many different devices available on the market that sometimes it's hard to know which one to choose, which one's going to generate the most useful information. And I think for the reasons that Dr. Adesamali pointed out, it's important to discuss with your clinician which device that they recommend would be best for your needs. It was great having you all on this podcast today, and it was really a pleasure leading today's conversation. Laura, back to you. Thank you all so much for being here today and leading this fascinating discussion on mobile health technology and wearable devices. To find more resources related to heart failure treatment and care, visit the Heart Failure Society of America's Patient Hub at hfsa.org forward slash patient and follow us on Twitter and Facebook to see valuable heart failure awareness resources. To all the listeners of the Heart Failure Beat Healthy Living, thanks for joining us and have a great day.